Chapter Twelve of Book One of Les Misérables, Volume Two, by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Les Misérables, Volume Two, by Victor Hugo, translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book First, Waterloo. CHAPTER Twelve: THE GUARD Every one knows the rest. The eruption of a third army, the battle broken to pieces, eighty-six mouths of fire thundering simultaneously, Pirch the first coming up with Bülow, Seaton's cavalry led by Blücher in person, the French driven back, Marconnier swept from the plateau of Ouin, Durute dislodged from Papelotte, Danzelot and Kio retreating, Lobo caught on the flank, a fresh battle precipitating itself on our dismantled regiments at nightfall, the whole English line resuming the offensive and thrust forward, the gigantic breach made in the French army, the English grape-shot and the Prussian grape-shot aiding each other, the extermination, disaster in front, disaster on the flank the guard entering the line in the midst of this terrible crumbling of all things. Conscious that they were about to die, they shouted, Vive l'Empereur! History records nothing more touching than that agony bursting forth in acclamations. The sky had been overcast all day long. All of a sudden, at that very moment, it was eight o'clock in the evening, the clouds on the horizon parted, and allowed the grand and sinister glow of the setting sun to pass through, athwart the elms on the Nivelle Road. They had seen it rise at Austerlitz. Each battalion of the guard was commanded by a general for this final catastrophe. Friand, Michel, Roguet, Arlet, Mallet, Poré de Morvan were there. When the tall caps of the grenadiers of the guard, with their large plaques bearing the eagle, appeared, symmetrical, in line, tranquil, in the midst of that combat, the enemy felt a respect for France. They thought they beheld twenty victories entering the field of battle, with wings outspread, and those who were the conquerors, believing themselves to be vanquished, retreated. But Wellington shouted, Up, guards, and aim straight! The red regiment of English guards, lying flat behind the hedges, sprang up. A cloud of grape-shot riddled the tricoloured flag and whistled round our eagles. All hurled themselves forwards, and the final carnage began. In the darkness, the Imperial Guard felt the army losing ground around it, and in the vast shock of the rout, it heard the desperate flight which had taken the place of the vive l'empereur, and with flight behind it, it continued to advance, more crushed, losing more men at every step that it took. There were none who hesitated, no timid men in its ranks. The soldier in that troop was as much of a hero as the general, not a man was missing in that suicide. Nay, bewildered, 
great with all the grandeur of accepted death, offered himself to all blows in that tempest. He had his fifth horse killed under him there. Perspiring, his eyes aflame, foaming at the mouth, with uniform unbuttoned, one of his epaulettes half cut off by a sword-stroke from a horse-guard, his plaque with the great eagle dented by a bullet, bleeding, bemired, magnificent, a broken sword in his hand, he said, "'Come and see how a marshal of France dies on the field of battle.' But in vain he did not die. He was haggard and angry. At Drouet d'Erlon he hurled this question, "'Are you not going to get yourself killed?' In the midst of all that artillery engaged in crushing a handful of men, he shouted, "'So there is nothing for me! Oh, I should like to have all these English bullets enter my bowels!' Unhappy man, thou wert reserved for French bullets! End of Book First, Chapter Twelve Recording by Ruth Golding